I want you to repeat after me. Say, this is God's word. Not Pastor Edmund's word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. Because it's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light unto our path. Your word is a road map to success in life. So, Lord, as I step back as your messenger and allow the Holy Spirit, who is the true communicator, to step up, I pray that, Father, he will minister to your people and that life will come, faith will come, growth will come. And I thank you in advance for signs, miracles, and wonders following your word like never before. And I declare, Father, over this church, That these families and the children in the families, Father, will be examples of godly homes and godly parents. So thank you for the word being received today with joy. In Jesus' name I pray that everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. We're in a series entitled, Who's in Charge? Just look at someone next to you and ask them, who's in charge? It's a series where we are identifying principles from God's word that will help parents raise godly children. The series is also addressing the roles that our children of all ages should play in the family and what role they have in their relationship toward their parents. And last week was a hot message And our focus was on identifying the source of negative behavior. Now this week we're looking at how to establish consistent discipline or disciplinary actions in children and what should be done to correct negative behavior. Now our lesson title today, if you're taking notes, is Trusting the Trainer. Trusting the Trainer. And the problem with the average home, in my opinion today, is that most parents were never trained or taught how to be godly parents or even how to discipline our children. Most of us, we were raised and no one actually taught us how to discipline our children when we became parents. And so I've discovered that we have generation of over-disciplined adults and a generation of undisciplined children. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 5, Romans 5, and then we're going to look in Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 18. That was Romans chapter 5, uh, verses 12, and then Deuteronomy chapter 21, verses 18. And what I'm going to do today is something that you have probably never heard or have been taught in your life, and that is how to discipline your children God's way. Amen. Now, I only have one point this morning, 
And then we'll, we'll grow from that point on. Here's the first point if you're taking notes this morning. Sin starts within, so training must be taught and not caught. I'm going to say that again. Sin starts within. Everybody say sin starts within. And you'll understand where I'm going in just a minute. Sin starts within, so training must be taught and not caught. Go to Romans chapter 5, Romans 5. That's where I told you to go, Romans 5, and we're going to look at verse 12. What has happened is we don't realize that when these beautiful little babies come out, they come out little bitty beautiful sinners. In Romans 5, verse 12, watch what it says. It says, wherefore, as by one man, everybody say one man. As by one man, sin entered into the world. And death by sin. And so death passed upon some men. Who? Death passed upon all men. Watch this now, read it with me. For that all have sinned. In other words, I want you to see that Adam, once he sinned against God, he thrust us all into sin. And then sin became a state. So watch this now. Sin to an unbeliever is a state while sinning to a believer is an act. Now I'm going to explain this and I'm going to tie it into why we need to discipline our children. I'll say it again. Sin to an unbeliever is a state. In other words, you are born that way. But then sinning as a believer is just an act. Now, Psalm 51 verse 55, this is how David put it. He says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. And see, that's why you don't have to teach kids how to lie. You don't have to teach kids how to rebel. You don't have to teach kids how to steal. You know why? Because it's in them. Just look at your neighbor and say, it's in them. Amen. It's been built in them, and that's why everybody needs to be born again. See, once we were born the first time, we were all born into sin. So we all need to be reborn or born again so that Jesus Christ can take us out of the sin state into the righteousness state. And a child, watch this, without training is like a truck without a driver. Proverbs 29, 15 says this, The rod and reproof gives wisdom, but a child left to himself brings his mother to shame. The Bible is telling us you cannot afford to neglect your children when it comes to disciplining them. You know why? Because eventually if you neglect in disciplining your kids, they will bring shame to you. Amen. Now, when I was growing up, wasn't no such thing as a tantrum. Because parents back then didn't care who saw you get a whooping. And here is the wonderful thing about having a tantrum back in the day. Wherever you had the tantrum is where they got rid of it at. What no way till we get home? What no way till we get to the car? 
What? No, let's go to the bathroom. If you did the tantrum in aisle 18 at Kroger's, you are going to get a whooping on aisle 18 at Kroger's. Come on now. And see, most of us knew better. You know why? Because we got that pregame speech before we went in the store. How many know that with that pregame speech? No, see, the pregame speech is what it started in the car. We're going in here. And you're not going to touch nothing. You break it, I'm going to break you. Okay, mama. Amen. A child left to himself will bring shame to his mother. So God takes the obedience and the disobedience of children very seriously. Now go to Deuteronomy chapter 21. Go to Deuteronomy 21. And we're going to look in verse 18. Let me show you how serious God uh, is about disciplining kids. And here's why I'm sharing this. Because there are some of you in the room who have chosen to not discipline your kids. Now, today, the word discipline means whooping, i.e. whooping, i.e. belt. Deuteronomy 21, look at verse 18. If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him, disciplined him, will not hearken or listen to them. Verse 19. Then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of his city and unto the gate of his place. Verse 20. And they shall say unto the elders of his city, This is our son, and he's stubborn, he's rebellious, He will not obey our voice. He's a glutton and a drunkard. So wait a minute now. This wasn't no five-year-old kid that they're talking about. Because if you can't control a five-year-old rebellious kid, you shouldn't be a parent. Amen. Watch verse 21. And all the men of the city shall stone him with what? With stones that he shall what? Die. Oh my God. This ain't about life in prison. This ain't even about life in parole. You gone. Watch this now. Here was the the purpose. And all of Israel, your whole neighborhood, shall hear and fear. See, the reason God dealt with, you know, rebellion and disobedience that harshly in the old testament because he wanted people to hear and fear and see that's why which i don't think it was right but some of us growing up if one by if you know if it was like four of us cousins over here and everything and somebody broke something everybody got a whooping Now, my parents didn't do that, but I had an aunt who did that. I'm like, wait a minute now, I didn't, I didn't do that. But see, they just wanted to make sure everybody feared. You will not touch nothing in their house. 
or break anything because you already got a preview of what's going to happen. Well, here in the Old Testament, man, they stoned them with stones. Proverbs 19, 18 says this, chasten your son while there is hope and let not your soul spare for his crying. You know what the Bible is saying in 2016? Whoop him and don't worry about him crying. And see, I have some parents who are like, well, I think, you know, when they get teenagers, they shouldn't get a whooping. Well, it just depends on what they did. See, when I grew up, we used to get paddlings at school. Now, I know they don't do that anymore, but I want to show you a point. Paddlings at school. How many used to get paddlings at school? Wow, look at all these old people in here. Jesus. Okay, so, so watch this. We got paddlings all the way up till I was in the 12th grade. Here you are. You are almost 18 years old, still bending over, getting hit with a board. Listen, if the school system didn't feel you were too old to get a whooping, then you as a parent shouldn't feel like your kids are too old to get a whooping. I want my kids to believe in their heart. That I will still whoop them. Amen. And see, that's the problem. We have some kids. There's no fear. We're going to fix that today, though. Now, God has a system to produce godliness and proper reverence for parents from our children. And it's wrapped up in three principles. Everybody say three principles. Now, here's the first principle. Now, if your kids are grown, this applies to your grandkids. Okay? Now, somebody say amen. Here are the three principles from God's system that will help produce godliness and proper respect for parents. Here's number one, training for reigning. Number two, discipline for direction. And then number three, correction for character. I'll say those three again, then I'm going to explain them. Training for reigning. Everybody say training for reigning. Discipline for direction. And correction for character. Now, let's deal with this training for reigning. Go to Proverbs 22. We're going to look at verse 6. Proverbs 22, verse 6. Training should be the first item on the agenda as you and I raise our kids. Training involves us teaching the difference between what's right and wrong, and watch this, and what's godly and what's sinful. I'm going to say that again. When you train your kids... This should be the first item on your agenda as a parent. Forget about trying to buy them all these toys you didn't get growing up. No, no. The first item is not to make them happy with toys. The first item on the agenda should be you training them. Well, what are you training them? You're training them to know the difference between right and wrong and what's godly versus what's sinful. Now, Proverbs 22, 6 says this. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Now watch this now. Let's, 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 let's flip that verse, because I like flipping verses. Do not train a child in the way they should go, and when they are old, they will never go back to what's right. In other words, you and I, God has commissioned us to train our children. Now, the word train there, when you look it up, it means to dedicate 
and discipline. And the word dedicate means to improve one's behavior by training or with rules. I'm going to say that again. Dedicate or train means to improve one's behavior by training or rules. In other words, you have to have some rules in place in order for you to train properly your children. And that's the problem. There are no rules. And you know why you don't have rules? Because your mom and them gave you too many, so you decided you're not going to have any. Now, see, I've discovered that the average parental, uh, your current actions have come from either what your parents did, like if they were uh, big whoopers and they almost killed you, then uh, as a parent, you go way over here on this end and you're not going to whoop it off. She's standing up because we had to have this conversation before kids started coming. Because, see, I believed in whooping. And Pastor Sarah, because her mom used to beat them. No, no, for real. Her mom used to beat them. I mean, it was way beyond, like, torture. This is like, this is way beyond, this, this is Old Testament stuff. And so what Pastor Sarah decided, she didn't want to be like her mother. So she came all the way on this end and said, well, we're not going to whoop it all. I was like, well, look, look I'm going to tell you something. If you don't whoop our kids, they're going to whoop you. <laughs> Training involves repetition. Everybody say repetition. Training involves repetition. Not only does faith come through the repetition of hearing God's word, but training comes by repetition of hearing our words and God's word. And if you are a teacher, how many teachers we have in the room? If you are a teacher, every teacher knows that the best way to enhance the recall of teacher material is by repetition. This is why repetition is the best way to train our children in the things of God and with what's important to the growth and their maturity. Now, go to Deuteronomy. You don't have to go there, but I'm going to read Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4, and I'm going to read it out of the contemporary English version. And here is why I'm reading this, because this is how God wants us to train our kids. In uh In Deuteronomy 6, look in verse 4, it says, Listen, O Israel, listen, word of truth. The Lord our God is the only true God. So love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your strength. Memorize his laws, his word, and tell them to your children. Watch this. Over and over again. God's remedy of training includes repetition. Say repetition. And so he's saying the first thing that you and I need to do to train our kids, we must memorize his word and we must tell them to our children over and over again. He says, talk about them all the time, whether you're at home or walking along the road, uh, going to bed at night or waking up in the morning. He says, I need you to go over my word with your children over and over and over again. And here's the problem with today's kids. They know no scripture. Everybody ought to know John 3.16. For God so loved the that he gave his only begotten that whosoever believeth in him but have Everybody ought to know that. But what I've discovered is we have a generation of parents who was forced to go to church. So now they've decided they're not going to put anything about God into their children. 
Amen. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 says this. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The word bring them up, you know what it means? It's the word, it means to train and to rear to maturity. In other words, even in the New Testament, God is saying, I need you to train your children up. And so we have to do that by repetition. And that's why, if you notice, everything that relates to kids it's repetitious. You look at the McDonald commercial. We sitting here. We haven't even been sitting here five minutes. We done seen three McDonald commercials. The same one. Because they, are, they know the only way to get Junior is to put it in his system. And so that's why. I mean, we have to say, repeat ourselves with everything else. I can't tell you how many times I have to tell Landon, raise the top. 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 Now, you would think, Landon, after, let's say, he's six, he's learned. Okay, after four years of me saying raise the top, you would think that Landon would raise the top. I still have to tell Landon, raise the top. (laughs) So then let's look at now discipline for direction. Because, see, discipline can be applied when training has taken place, and watch this, and the only reason you need discipline is when training has taken place and then whatever you train them with has been violated. In other words, I'm saying the first step to bringing discipline to your children is first you have to train them between what's right and what's wrong. You must train them between what's sin and what's righteousness. You need to train them. And then as you train them, discipline only comes into the picture now when the training has been violated. And most of the time, watch this now, you give grace for mistakes. But see, a mistake is different than just a rebellious or disobedient act. A mistake is when they accidentally knock some water over. That's a mistake. Everybody say, you give grace for mistakes. You give grace for mistakes. However, the majority of training violations should receive some form of discipline or punishment. I'm going to say this again. There should be grace for mistakes. But most, say most. But most training that has been violated by a kid must receive A form of discipline or punishment. And here is why. You may want to write this down. Negative actions left unpunished will eventually be repeated. I'm going to say that again. Negative actions left unpunished will eventually be repeated. Why? Because negative behavior without discipline is deemed as acceptable to a kid. I'm going to say that again. Why is it? That negative action needs to to be punished because negative behavior without discipline is deemed acceptable. And now you're wondering why they repeat this stuff you don't like. It's because you have done nothing about it. Amen. The principle behind spankings. Uh Uh-oh, we get touch a neighbor and say he's about to get deep now. How many got kids? Let me see your hand if you have kids. Amen. The principle behind spankings or corporal punishment 
is to correct negative behavior and to encourage future obedience. I'm going to say that again. Now, some of you all need to get this CD. And some of you all who have some bad cousins and some, some of your girlfriends got bad kids, buy the CD and give it to your girlfriend. The principle behind spankings or corporal punishment is to correct negative behavior and to encourage future obedience. Watch this. Never spank because you are mad. Because that tends to fall on the borderline of abuse. Oh, you don't whoop them because you mad. You don't whoop them because they broke your favorite vase. You don't whoop them because they made you upset. That's not why you whoop a kid. You whoop a kid, watch this now, to correct negative behavior. Amen. You always discipline because of what was done, not because of how it made you feel. Now, I'm about to read a lot of verses to you. I just want you to just relax and listen to them. Proverbs 23, 13 says this. Withhold not correction from the child. For if you beat him with a rod, he won't die. I didn't make that up either. Proverbs 13, 24 says this. He that spares his rod hates his son. But he that loves him chastens him B times. You know what B times mean? More than one time. Oh, you think that one woman's going to last Junior all the way till he's grown? I'm telling you now, it is not going to last. Sometimes kids get, you know, amnesia from the last whooping. And that's why you have to keep that belt sharp. No, no, no. See, I, I can tell when my kids are rolling up on another one. Because they start acting crazy. Amen. And you got you to gotta do it and it needs to hurt. If you are whooping and it doesn't hurt, then it didn't do no good. They need to have that memory etched in their heart. Remember, in the Old Testament, he did it so they could hear and fear. They need to remember that whooping. Amen. I, I mean, I can't tell you how many times that uh, I've trained Landon to not jump on the couch. Well, Landon decided to jump on the couch when I wasn't there, see? And so whoever was keeping them told me, Pastor, Landon was jumping on the couch. And I said, uh, you know, they told him to get down and everything, but, but I come outside and he's crying like they did something wrong. I'm like, why are you crying? Because they said I was jumping on the couch. I wasn't jumping on the couch. So why are you crying then if you're not jumping on the couch? And I could just see guilty on his head. I knew he was jumping on that couch. So I said, I was on the phone. I said, uh, you and I will be getting together when I get done. <laughs> Daddy, am I going to get a whooping? 
What do you think? You see, some of our parents would say, you know, I'm going to wait till your daddy come home. Well, why torture me like that? Can we just do this and get it over with? So, you know, I came out and uh, I had my Gucci belt. He said, you're not going to use the wooden spoon? I said, no, you need to know what a belt feels like this time. And I mean, I got him and I mean, he cried and he went in the bathroom to get himself together. And when he came out, I sat down and went over what it was. And, and, uh, and I'm telling you, Landon just loved me. He said, Daddy, you know, he just cried. I said, son, I said, Daddy loves you. That's why Daddy do this, to make sure you do the right thing. And he just cried. He just laid in my lap. And I mean, he just hugged me. And I tell you what, Landon probably told me he loved me 15 times that day. Let's see, you would think that discipline will make them mad at you. No, no, no. Children want discipline. They need discipline. And you got to give it to them. So Landon, he's fresh now. He, he, he fought from another one. Because see, this one is etched. It's etched. It is there. Proverbs 19, 18. Chasten, discipline, whoop your son while there is hope. And let not your soul spare for his crying. Proverbs 29, 17. Correct your son and he will give you rest. Some of y'all can't sleep because Junior ain't giving you no rest. You got to help Junior get some rest. You and your wife sitting up at night trying to figure out what you need to do with Junior. Should we take his Xbox? Should we take... Look, he don't need no box taken. He needs to get on the box and get a whooping. God always disciplines us because he loves us. Therefore, we should always discipline out of love. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 11 and 12 says this. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father, the son in whom he delights. Jeremiah 10, 24 says this. Oh, Lord, correct me, but with judgment, not in your anger, lest you bring me to nothing. If you notice, he says, God, don't correct me out of your anger, because if you do, I'll amount to nothing. And that's why we should never discipline out of anger. We should discipline out of principle. Amen. So uh, go to Hebrews 12. Go to Hebrews 12. Uh, I'm almost, I'm, I'm winding down, but there's something deep that I'm going to touch on that you, you probably haven't seen why you need to discipline your kids in the perspective I'm going to give you tonight, Hebrew, uh, to this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, let's look in verse 5 now. It says, have you not, have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks unto you as unto children? My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when you are rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, if you have a Bible and you can write in it, underline loveth. For whom the Lord loveth, he chastens or he disciplines and scourges every son whom he received. 
If you endure chastening or discipline, God deals with you as with sons. And notice he's saying that if you allow God to discipline you, he's doing it as though you were the son. For what son is he whom the father chases not? But if you be without chastisement, watch this, whereof all are partakers, then you are you bastards and not sons. He's saying, listen, if we don't allow our father to discipline us, then that's just like us being bastards. He's saying, listen, it's like you're not his. Now watch this now. This is going to get real deep right here. Based on what we just read, discipline is the proof of love. And it's the true sign of sonship. A child left, watch this now, a child left consistently undisciplined will eventually manifest the spirit of an orphan. Even though orphans have a father, since they have not been raised by their father, they feel fatherless. And what God just said here in uh, in Hebrews is, if we don't allow him to discipline us, then we're just like orphans. And I'm saying to you, when you and I don't discipline our kids, watch this, they will manifest the spirit of an orphan. In other words, they will feel fatherless. He goes on to say in verse 9, Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? Most of us, watch this now, do not correct or discipline our kids because we're fearful. He said, well, I ain't fearful. They too little. No, that's not the kind of fear I'm talking about. I'm not saying you are fearful of the kid. Most people are fearful to discipline their kids, and here's why. Here's number one. You are fearful that you will overpunish them like maybe your parents did you. Okay, so we have some people who don't discipline their kids because they are fearful that they will overpunish their kids like their parents did them. Or here's another reason why people are fearful. They're fearful. Watch this now. This is going to get deep. They're fearful that God will start punishing them for everything they do wrong. In other words, see, some people don't whoop their kids because they're like, but I don't want God to get on me. But see, here's the thing. God doesn't have to discipline us for everything we do. You know why? Because we already been trained what the difference between right and wrong is. The purpose of disciplining our kids is so they can get an establishment of what is right and what's wrong. And because we know that, then God don't have to deal with us like that. But see, when you are training, say training. When you're training children, you have to show repetition. And here is the thing. Children need discipline because they have not quite learned the difference between what's right and wrong. Now, when children have been trained, watch this now, I'm going somewhere, but choose to not obey. See, so now we talk about training up the child. Remember how you, what's the best, what's the, what's the key ingredient in training? Repetition. Everybody say repetition. Okay, so then we talked about repetition. And then the other one that we talked about is that we're talking about uh, correcting. Here's the third one. Or the, the third one we're talking about is correction for character, which is where I'm going now. Go to Nehemiah chapter 9. Go to Nehemiah 9, and we're going to close this up right here. When children have been trained but choose to not obey and receive the discipline, then that means that Something more than just disobedience is at work. What I'm saying to you is if you trained them right 
and you're disciplining them right and they're still not obeying, then they've moved over from disobedience to rebellion. And see, rebellion, you have to treat it differently than disobedience. See, because disobedience is an act. Rebellion moves over into the spirit realm now. All right? Watch this now. Nehemiah chapter 9, look in verse 11. Now, I'm about to read this story because I believe it applies to a whole lot of people. Verse 11, it says, and you did the, now, he was just describing the children of Israel and all the things that he had did for them. And so this could be like the resume of what we've done for our kids. You know, here it is. I got you in private school. I bought, you know, I let you play basketball and I've been buying all your equipment and stuff. And, and, and you wanted an Xbox and I got you that. And you saw these new Jordans and I got you that. And so now all these things. So now he's going over his resume with them. He says, and, and, uh, I divided the sea before them so that they went through the midst of the sea on the dry land and their persecutors that, uh, got through into the deep. Verse 12, moreover, you led them in the day by the cloud and pillar and in the night by the pillar of fire to give them light in the way that they should go. You came down upon the Mount Sinai and you spoke with them from heaven and you gave them right judgments and true laws and good statutes and commandments and you made them known, uh, made unto them known the holy Sabbath and the commandments and all that. Verse 15, you gave them bread from heaven, bread of heaven, feed me when I want no more. Uh, uh. I slipped. That was my mother's mother's church. And gave them bread from heaven for their hunger and brought them forth water out of the rock for their thirst. And you promised them that they should go into and possess the land. And you swore that to them. But they, watch this, and our fathers dealt proudly and hardened their necks and hearkened not to the commandments and refused to obey. Watch this now. Neither were mindful of thy wonders that you did in the midst of them. But they hardened their necks and in their rebellion, say rebellion, in their rebellion they appointed a captain to return to their bondage. But God, but you are God, ready to pardon and gracious and merciful, slow to anger and great of kindness. Here's what I wanted you to see is that this scenario sounds like some of our homes right now. You've done everything you can for Junior and Junior's still disrespecting you. Well, Junior has moved from disobedience into rebellion. And Proverbs 22:15 says this about rebellion. Foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction shall drive it far from him. So watch this. Rebellion was not tolerated by God. Amen. Read 1 Samuel chapter 12, verse 14. I'm out of time, but I want you to read it. And then read Joshua chapter 1. In fact, Joshua 1.18 says this. Whosoever he be that does rebel against your commandment and will not hearken unto your words and all the commands uh, that you gave him, he shall be put to death. Oh, my God. So how, what keeps rebellion going? Here's number one. What keeps rebellion going is that most discipline from parents do not work because for these one or four reasons or five reasons. Number one is inconsistency. You know why rebellion is there now? Because you weren't consistent in your training. Number one, that's number one. Number two, why is rebellion going on now? See, I'm in some of y'all's house right now. The reason rebellion is going on is because of broken promises. You say, well, what do you mean? Listen, whatever you threaten them that you're going to do, you better do it. 
If you come home late for your curfew, then you're not going to be able to drive the car for a week. If they late one minute late, you better take those keys for a whole week. But see, some of y'all not doing that. Because, see, you forget when you dashing out the punishment that it's going to affect you too. So now you got to take them to school. Now you got to go through the store when you don't feel like it. What's happening is you're not following through on your threats. Whatever you tell them, you got to do it. You got to swear to your own hurt. So number two, broken promises. Here's number three. This is why rebellion is going on. It's because when you do punish, the punishment does not match the violation. In other words... Junior got up to the school and cussed out all the teachers. And you took his Xbox. What? Are you kidding me? You going to take his Xbox when he done cussed out all the teachers? Oh, no. He won't have no Xbox, no U-box, no Wii-box. Listen, he won't no TV, no radio. He can't even just listen to the neighbor's TV. No, no, no. You will be assigned to read in books until I'm tired of you reading. Here it is. Your kid went in the store and stole something. And all you did was tell them that uh, they can't go to JoJo's party. They just committed a felony. A felony. Three words. Felony. <laughs> Punishment doesn't match the violation. If they did something bad, I'm going to tell you something. If they do something bad, they got to get something bad. Here's number four. Here's why rebellion is going on in the house. The parents can't seem to be in agreement to what needs to be done. One parent over here said, well, that's whooping. The other parent over here said, no, I don't think so. This parent over here said, well, I think, you know, we need to just take the keys and don't let them drive for a whole, you know, a whole week. Oh, but that's, that's too long. How about just a day? So while y'all trying to figure out what y'all going to do and be on the same page, rebellion's going on. Here's, here's the next one. Rebellion's going on because the parents need to check their hearts for rebellion. Rebellion is real. See, let me tell you how you know when the spirit of rebellion is working. They running away. Run it. What? Oh, so you you want to run away? <laughs> Hit the road, Jack, and don't you come back no more, no more, no. I'm gonna help you pack. And you're not going to tell me when you're coming back. One of the biggest things that make rebellion continue is when the parents are in rebellion against God or authority. So with every head bowed right here, every head bowed, There are some rebellious things going on in some homes as I speak. When you've had to 
correct the same issue over and over and over again, something's wrong. You, there has not been follow through. There hasn't been maybe a, a, a proper corrective action or whatever it is. It's there because of you. And, and there are some, some parents right here today. I know this tough message right here is tough. But I'm trying to get our houses in order. And there are some parents here, you're in rebellion. You're in you're rebellion. You say, well, how can a parent be in rebellion? You may be in rebellion to your boss at work. They can't tell you nothing. You're not under their authority. Can't nobody tell you what to do. Your boss is scared to bring a correction to you. And that should not be. Your boss should not be afraid of you. You should welcome your boss to bring correction so that you can grow. But no, you got your boss scared of you. You know, you're, you're in rebellion. And I believe today if, if you want, the Bible says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. God wants us to humble ourselves. There are some things going on in some homes right now. God is saying, if you humble yourself today, I'll fix it. If you humble yourself, I'll fix Junior. If you humble yourself, I'll straighten out that attitude. If you'll do it, he's waiting on you. So here's my question to you today. What is God saying to you? Holy Spirit. I've done all I can. And so now I'm asking you to translate what was said into the hearts of men so that we can examine ourselves. And I hear the voice of God saying, if you'll bring order to your house and start with you, then I will bring order to the rest. Hallelujah. Just be still right there where you are. Wow. This message, and I don't know who it is, so I don't, I don't have anybody pinpointed. As a matter of fact, my eyes are closed, but I want you to listen to me. This message today is a warning for some people that this is a matter of death and life for your kids. Hallelujah. Come on, I want us all. We're going to pray this, this prayer. We're going to take authority over rebellion. We're going to do it together. I want you to re- just pray after me. Say, Father, I believe your word is true. You said in your word, If I confess my sin, you are faithful and just to forgive me for my sins and cleanse me from unrighteousness. Today, Lord, I'm confessing that I've been rebellious in certain areas of my life. You know what they are. But today, I've decided to humble myself. And Lord, I need your help. Things are out of order in my home. I need your help. My kids are out of order. I need your help. My life is out of order. 
I need your help. So I'm asking for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Every head still bowed. If you died today, here's my question. Are you sure?